Good morning. That was good. I'm proud of y'all. That was really good. It is such a gift to be here this morning. I mean, have you ever really thought about that? The gift of just being able to be here this morning? As I was making my way up to the church, which was probably before most of y'all were even awake, Y'all missed out on something that was absolutely beautiful. I've already seen a couple of pictures of it because some of y'all were up early enough to see it. But the sunrise this morning, oh my word. It was just an absolute reminder of that every day is a gift. You know, yesterday I got to be a part of a huge gift. Um, and I hope for the men that were with me at the men's conference yesterday and at the Fine Arts Center, I hope that you saw it as a gift too. Because as I sit there and I watched 350 plus men worship together, I'm going to tell you something, I got moved. I really got moved. But what was even more amazing to me and the reason I consider it even more a gift was because, you know, I've been to a lot of men's conferences. And you go to some of these men's conferences and you can see, you know, two and 3,000 people. But yesterday was a men's conference of about 350 men, of which most of them I knew. Most of them I have a relationship with. Most of them I encounter with either at the restaurant or when I visit and partner with other churches. These were men that I have worked alongside of and these were men that I have honestly prayed with and, and, and just, it was just a huge gift to be able to be a part of that. You know, there's other gifts that we get in life. The gift of this day. I mean, it is a gift to have the day that we have. A couple of, well, it's been multiple years ago. I went down to Eggleston Children's Hospital to visit with uh, Braxton Kirkendall. Some of y'all remember him. Some of y'all don't know this young man, but Braxton Kirkendall was a young man who was, who was uh, diagnosed with a very aggressive, rare form of cancer um, at a very young age. And I can remember going to the Ronald McDonald house and sitting there with Shanoa. And I broke down. I had a moment where, okay, mom of a child with cancer was stronger than I was. Because I, I looked at her and I said, Shanoa, I don't know how you do it. I do not know how you are sitting here in this room and going through this. And she said something to me that's always stuck with me. She says, Scotty, I've learned to know that each day I have with him is a gift. That each day I'm ab able to have with Braxton, one more is a gift. And she said, honestly, God has given me a perspective of how valuable life is through what Braxton's going through. Man, we don't look at life that way, do we? We don't even look at our salvation that way. I mean, think about the gift of salvation that we have because of what Jesus done for us. Salvation, to put it simple, is an undeserved gift of forgiveness for our sin, allowing us the right to call God's home our home. I mean, you think about that. Without salvation, without salvation, there is no relationship with God whatsoever. But then I also think about the gift of my family. And I know your family may be a lot like mine. My family tree is a tree that produces a lot of nuts. 
I mean bumper crop. Some of y'all heard it this year. If you had a tin roof and you had white, or, uh, white oaks or red oaks next to your house, it sounded like the whole ceiling was coming in when they were falling down. But honestly, that is my family. We produce a lot of nuts. But at the same time, these are people that you get to do life with daily. These are people that you get to share meals with. These are people that love you. These are people that know everything about you. Every single thing about you. And you know what? I still love you. That's a gift. And you know, as I get older, and I know I'm not that old, I feel it. But as I get older, I start to appreciate these gifts a little bit more. And it really helps me to understand some things that are said in God's word. Because what you appreciate, you value. And what you value, you protect. I greatly appreciate my wife and everything that she does for me. I value her. I value the relationship that I have with her. That's why at eight o'clock when we go outside to walk our dog, I've got to go with her and protect her from all the deer and the squirrels <laughs> and whatever else is out. And cats, yeah, there's a lot of cats. Because it, it really freaks her out when she's out there with their dog shining the light and those little two glowing dots come out in the woods. You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to be honest, it freaks me out sometimes too, especially when they're wider apart than they should be. Um, because the closer they are and they look like one, you know, it's a small animal. I can handle that. But when they get out like here, you're like, what is that? <laughs> but because of my value, because of I appreciate her and I value her, I protect her. And the reason I'm telling you all this is because I'm trying to set you up to understand something in the scripture that we dig in today from Matthew chapter 5. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, just four verses, 17 through 20. But this portion of Jesus' sermon is very misunderstood. Matter of fact, I've heard sermons preached on this that um, I've had to unlearn because of what was said was completely wrong. Because Jesus had two points to these four verses in Matthew chapter 5. First, first, he wanted to clarify to all the people, to all the people of why he had come. He wanted them to know everything about him. He wanted them to know that he was there for their good and that he was there to take on the sin of the world, even though they didn't know this yet, understand it yet. What they didn't realize is right before their eyes, God had given them a gift and they missed it. But the second thing that he's wanting to do is he's wanting to help his disciples understand some of the things that they are going to be going through. Because remember what I said, whenever somebody appreciates something, they value it. And when they value something, they'll protect it and they'll do whatever they have to do to protect what they value and what they appreciate. And that's a lot of the reason that Jesus, the disciples, and even people all over the world today go through the persecution that they go through. People are trying to protect what is important to them. So, with fresh eyes, I want us to look at this scripture. Because in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, 
there's a good chance you've heard this sermon before or a similar one. And today I'm going to rock it a little bit. So 17 through 20, this is what the word of God says. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and treat and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Pray with me. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, just grateful, thankful, and blessed because of all that you continue to do for us and just the ability to be able to be here this morning. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us to see exactly what it is that Jesus was trying to say to the people who were hearing these words. Sometimes, Lord, I think that we forget the people of this time had a different worldview from what we had. And sometimes it's hard for us to see things in your scripture the way that they saw them. But this morning, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us fresh eyes to see, fresh eyes to hear, and a fresh heart and mind to understand what it is, not only that your word had for these people, but what your word also has for us. Father, thank you for this opportunity to dig into your word, to share your word, and to be present with my brothers and sisters as we praise and worship you. It's in Jesus' name that I humbly pray. Amen. So Jesus was trying to communicate something. And most of you, like I said before, we've heard a sermon talking about these. And we've heard these sermons given to us in ways that, yes, there are some similarities, but really it's far from what Jesus was trying to say. We've heard the words used that, you know, Jesus said that not a jot or a tittle would be removed from the wall before heaven and earth passed away. But what we don't understand is when he said this, when he said that I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, I actually come to fulfill them, is what he was saying is, I didn't come to do away with this. We don't see it as that, do we? I didn't come to do away with this. I actually come to fulfill it. Because if you really take it for what the people who were hearing this at that time were hearing, they were hearing that I did not come to abolish the Torah. You know what the Torah is? It is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But he also says that I did not come to abolish the Navim. Now, the Navim is something completely that different from what we think it is. Because what the Navim was, was the Navim was the major prophets that we see in the Bible. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, 
All of these major prophets that we read from, that we hold to, this is what he was saying. I didn't come to undo anything that is written down already in the scrolls. I actually come to fulfill them. You see, because a lot of people want to make this an issue about, well, am I under grace or am I under the law? And while you can make that tie, you can. It's not what the scripture is talking about. It's not what it's saying. So let me help you see what he's really saying. Because when he says, not a jot, let's just focus on the jot for a minute. Not a jot will be removed from the word of God. What he was talking about was he was talking about the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. This letter is pronounced Yod. Not Yo, Yod with a D. You don't say Yo, it's Yod with a D. And this letter was the smallest letter in the alphabet, but this letter had very significant meaning behind it. And I'll show you why. Pull up Yahweh for me, the slide of Yahweh. Many of you remembered a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago, we did a series on Yahweh. And y'all seen this writing up here. This is Hebrew. This is yod he bah That is how that is pronounced if you were to pronounce those letters out. This is where we get the name Yahovah. And it's also where we get the name Jehovah. This is where all this come from. But with Hebrew, Hebrew is not like reading English. With Hebrew, you have to read it backwards. So bear with me for a second. What you've got is reading from right to left, not left to right. You've got Yod, He, Va, He. That little dot on the far right from where you're looking at, that little dash, that is a yod. I've heard a lot of people say that a yod is similar to a T. If you miss the T on there, it completely changes the sentence. And while yes, there is some significance to that, it's not true at all. I know if you don't cross a T, you get an L. But that's not what's being said here. He said not a yod would be removed from the law. Now understand something. Exodus chapter three is when Moses is revealed with God's name. yod he vahi This letter will not be removed. Here's the significance. Here you have Jehovah as we pronounce it. If you remove the yod, that little thing, first you change the name of God. And remember, he's the son of God. He is the fullness of God and the fullness of man at the same time. But if you take away the yod, what you have then is the word hova. And it means something completely different in Hebrew. Jehovah is the name for God. Hova is the word that means destruction. Think about that for a minute. Without that one little yod, without that one little 
letter. You go from God to destruction. The people who were hearing this sermon at this time, they knew what he was saying. It wasn't about the law of the Ten Commandments. It was about changing everything that they had believed. He then goes into the aspect of the tittle. The tittle is a very, very interesting little thing. And to best understand what a tittle is, is tittle is a tag. It's a tag that you put on the back of a letter to change what the letter means. For sports fans, you'll understand this a little bit more. What do we have on the left? The Atlanta Braves, very good. What do we have on the right? Oakland Athletics, very good, Peggy. The biggest difference in these two letters are these little tags. These little tags that are on the back of the letters. And you know, by removing these tags, you can honestly change who you are pulling for. You want me to show you another example? Show me the next slide. Ooh! This is the importance of a tag. You can either be cheering for the Atlanta Braves or you can be cheering for Alabama. This is important. So when he was saying, so when he was saying that not a jot or a yod or a tittle, a tag will be removed, he is saying that I am not coming to change the name of God and I am not coming to get you to change sides. I am on the same page as my father. Me and my father are one and I will not go against anything that he says, and I will never go against his name. The reason Jesus was trying to explain this to the people of this time is because a lot of people thought that he was trying to undo, not this, but actually this portion, the Old Testament. And I want you to understand this. I'm not trying to defend what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did, but I am trying to get you to understand why people came against Jesus. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 13, listen to what it says. It'll be on the screen, but just listen to what it says. Don't worry about turning there. Just look at the screen and listen to what it said. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you, and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you saying, let us go, <clears throat> sorry, after other gods whom you have not known and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you are, <clears throat> if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You, <clears throat> excuse me, you shall follow the Lord your God with fear in him. And you shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him and cling to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams 
shall be put to death. When Jesus comes on the scene preaching, when Jesus comes on the scene doing his ministry, understand this. The people of that time, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, even the people who were followers of Jewish tradition, they took it that he was trying to undo everything that they'd held to. This is a man who's coming, teaching something. It's not strange. It doesn't go against word. But this is a man that's coming and teaching something that we just didn't understand. You know, God tries to do a lot of things in our lives that we don't understand. We don't get it. We don't get why we have to go through some of the things that we go through. We don't understand what he's trying to do in us. But brothers and sisters, don't miss this. When Jesus is giving this message to the disciples and to whoever else is listening, he is trying to tell them, I didn't come to change everything. I come to change you. I come to change you. Because I hold to what you hold to. But there's one thing you don't understand. What you hold to is not enough. We'll get into that in a little bit. So why did these religious leaders get so bent out of shape about this? Because these religious leaders put the law on a pedestal. They put the law, the Torah, where we find the Ten Commandments on a pedestal. And hear me out on this. Anything that you put above God is what? It's an idol, but it's sin. It's sin. And I know some of you are saying, Scotty, how can you honestly say that putting the law up on a pedestal is a sin? Because the law is not enough. The law was never meant to be enough. Do you know good people? Good people who do everything right, who do everything right in their life, yet they don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Absolutely. So is it enough for them? No. Because they're trusting in what they do and not who they know. That's why when you put anything above God, it can become a sin. And understand this, even good things can be sinful. Church, if you put everything that we do as a church above God, is it a sin? Yes, it is. What about all your good deeds and all the things that you do? Is it a sin? Yes. Because anything you put above God is sin. And this is why the people were coming at them. This is why the people were coming after Jesus. Because he was coming after their sin. When somebody points out your sin, 
When somebody points out your sin, what's your response? Do you ever go up to the individual and say, oh, thank you so much for pointing that out. Man, I did not know that I was doing that. That's a lie. You don't fall into sin. You jump in head first. You know what you're doing. So when somebody points out our sin, our natural reaction is to do what? Either deny it. We do. We deny it. Nope, I didn't do that. But when the evidence comes out that we did do that, then we try to justify it and we'll say, well, it's not as bad as such and such or this guy or this guy. But then the last thing that will take place is something that we really need to think about. Because after we deny it, then we try to justify it, then we'll get angry at the individual for bringing it up. And think about what I just said. Anything you appreciate, you value. And anything you value, you protect. The main reason we get so angry about people pointing out our sin is we're really trying to protect it. It's become valuable to us. It's become a part of us. It's become a who we are. It's what brings us enjoyment. It's what brings us fulfillment. But remember what happens when you take the yod away from Jehovah. It's also what brings us destruction. The people of this time were being pointed out their sin in a way that they did not understand it. Because they had even held to everything they read. But one thing that they had never made it about is a true love for God. Their motives were completely wrong. Listen to what it goes on to say. He says, For truly I say to you, until the heaven passes away, not a smallest letter or the smallest stroke shall pass away from the word of God. But then he goes on to say, sorry, my paper got flipped around. Then he goes on to say this. What, whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Now, what were they doing to the law? They were putting it up on a pedestal. When they put it up on the pedestal, it became an idol. When they became an idol, it became a sin. But they had justification behind it because it was what was written. It was what was written. But at the same time, it's not what God was intending or Christ was intending because he goes on to say, but whoever, but whoever does the same, shall, whoever does different and teaches the laws and the commandments to, other, to others to do the same shall be called great. Shall be called great. What's the first commandment? What's number one? Say it loud. Love who? Not, not law? 
Not the sacred text. No, it all starts from there. It starts with the love of God and the love that he has for us. And what comes after that, what comes after that is our respect for what he has said. Here's the reality of it. They could not truly respect God for what he had said because they really didn't know God. But here's the crazy thing. Who is giving them the sermon at this moment? Jesus. He is right there. He is telling them everything they need. And he's trying to expose the lies that they have been living. And what's crazy is we'll say, well, but we don't have Jesus today. But if you turn to John chapter one, verse one, it will say, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then the word became flesh. So the reason I'm saying this is because I don't want you to ever think that I'm nullifying or devaluing what this is. Because he became this, wrote this, inspired this, and gave this to us. His word was given to us so that we may know what to do. And this is why we've got to be careful. This is why we've got to be so careful, guys. Because when we minimize the word of God, we don't really value him. And if we don't value him, we're not going to do much in our lives to protect it. This is what he is trying to get his people to see. I didn't come to change what is here. I came to change what is here. Minimizing sin. Making a justification for sin. Doing any of these things to make it or give a reason why you do the things you do shows me and shows the world that you appreciate your sin and you value your sin because you protect your sin. We've got to be cautious. But then here comes this next line and this next line really puts a razor's edge for us to walk on. This is what is the most difficult thing about being a Christian or being a believer because you can go extreme over here and nullify the law, which is something that never should be done, or you can go extremely over here and be so legalistic that not even yourself can make it to heaven. Listen to what he says. Verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. The scribes and Pharisees knew how, knew what was the law, knew what was written. They kept every one of them. They created laws to help them keep from breaking another law. They knew it. They knew it all. But as believers, sometimes we become a little too critical. Any of you ever been critical? Nobody. Not a one. Altar is officially opened. 
I am extremely critical. I'm not a critical of other people as much as I am critical of myself. Can I get a witness? I am extremely critical of myself. One of the reasons, and I've had it asked, why don't y'all do live stream anymore? Let me tell you part of the reason I don't want to do live stream anymore. We record it, we put it on a couple of days later. Because after I would get done preaching and everybody would leave, I would lock up and then I would get in my car, I would turn on YouTube and I would listen to everything that I said and I would do nothing but berate myself the whole time home. Ask my wife. She hated me on Sunday afternoons. (laughs) Rightfully so. But I am extremely critical of myself, just like you're extremely critical of yourself. But we've got to understand in this is part of what Jesus was trying to undo here. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you're never going to enter into his glory. You're never going to be good enough for God. Think about this statement for a minute. At your best, at your very best, I think somewhere around 18 was when I was at my best. Been downhill ever since then. 40, it was horrible. 40, the check engine light come on with my health and it's never went off since. It's like an old Ford car. It's horrible. But when I was at my best, when you were at your best, you still didn't meet Christ standards. Did you? Even now. Tommy, how many years you've been in church? All your life. You had a drug problem like me. We were drugged to church before we had a drug problem. With all these years of knowledge, with all these years of Sunday school, with all these years of praise and worship, with all these sermons that you've heard, by yourself, are you good enough? No. Absolutely not. Hope, how long have you been here? Your whole life. I can remember little Hope. How do you know Little Hope's not apologizing for Big Hope? Oh! You've been here all your life. I can remember you as a little girl. You've heard hundreds of sermons. How many do you remember? Yes. What did I preach on last week? Ah! Justification. We have a TV down there that plays the sermons. Um, (laughs) All we got is cheese puffs down there. He wasn't making lunch. But anyway, let's go to him. Get off that tangent. You have heard, I don't know how many sermons. You don't remember them, but you've heard them. You've lived a pretty good life, have you not? You've tried to do what is right. You're one of the most compassionate people I know. You're always looking out for others, which is a good thing. But even with all that, is it enough? You see, Jesus goes into this next session, and I'm not going to read all of it, but he goes into this next session that I like to say, I'd like to call it the you've heard it said section. 
where he says, you've heard it said that a man commits adultery, that he's cursed. But I say to you that if a man looks at a woman with lust in his eyes, it's just as much cursed. You see, if we follow the way of the law, and I'm talking about now the Ten Commandments, if we follow it to a T, it is still not good enough. Jesus has an interaction with a young ruler, a young rich man, um, different versions of the gospel, call him different things. But this young man comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what must I do to enter into the kingdom of heaven? Jesus responds, oh, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And keep his law. The little young man looks at him and says, Jesus, I've done this all my life. I've done this all my life. So I'm good to go. Jesus says, not quite yet. I want you to take everything that you have. Everything that you have. And I want you to sell it. And I want you to give it to the poor. The young ruler... The young rich man lowers his head and walks away. This scripture is not telling you to sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. Because what Jesus is trying to point out to this young rich man is the same thing that I said today. What you appreciate, what did he appreciate? His stuff is what you value. And he valued his stuff a lot more than he valued being with God. And when Jesus brought that and unloaded it to him, what did he try to do? Tried to protect what he valued. Because see, the real gist of this part of the sermon, it's not about Jesus coming to undo the law. It's not about Jesus coming to undo the prophets. It's not about Jesus dealing with sin just yet. The real question to this part of Jesus' sermon is, what do you value? Because whatever you value, you're going to protect. Whether it's your sin, whether it's your family, or if it's your relationship with Jesus Christ. How are you protecting that. Father, sometimes, God, you just don't know what to pray. And with everything that you have been dealing with with me and my personal walk with you this week, the only thing I know to say is, Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord, to value my walk with you more. Father, we know that not a jot or a tittle in your word is gonna change before you come to take us home. 
But we do know this too, Lord, that you so desired a relationship with us that even when we were running away from you, you were running after us. Just like the story of the prodigal son, Lord, when the father seen his son afar off coming home, he ran to him. And Father, the good news of the gospel is that when we were far off, you run to us. Forgive us, God, when we value stuff and even things more than we value you. And help us, Lord, all to be devoted to what really matters. We know that you didn't come to change anything but our hearts. So this morning, Lord, I'm asking, not only on my behalf, but on everybody's behalf, Father, change us. Change us to value you more. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Scotty Gerard here, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in His glory. We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue help you in your growth with Christ. If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless.